wow, hold on. Excuse me one moment. <clears throat> I was going to say welcome. I am still going to say welcome. But I don't know what episode this is. Mm. 12. 12. Yes. Yes, of course. Okay. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode number 12. Um, I am going to talk about some things. I don't really have anything planned for an intro, so I guess you get my flub because that's literally all I have. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. podcast the podcast that nobody asked for hosted by the person that nobody knows today I'm actually super excited because I've been thinking about doing this episode for a while because I think it's a perfect transition into bringing my friends and family onto the show I've been trying to figure out a way to do that that makes sense um not that this podcast makes any sense whatsoever but I'm trying to be better. I'm trying to figure some things out. Um, but I think that the easiest way to kind of do that is to talk about people's personalities. And you're like, oh, what the heck? But I don't know what it is about the holistic health and wellness field, but people are obsessed with their personality quiz of choice. Or something, or something in relation to that. Um, I really don't know why that people are so latched onto it, but I can't even tell you. It's just like everyone who has um, anything to say, it's usually some kind of personality test. Um, <laughs> like people are obsessed with the Enneagram. Um, it used to be like Myers-Briggs back in the day when I went to business school, but now it's the Enneagram and, and other various types of personality quizzes. I don't know. I guess people latch onto them because it's a way to kind of illuminate to people the type of person that they are. And so in different relationships, that can be really helpful. It can be helpful to know baseline sort of what you're getting. And so I believe that for a while, except for the fact that as I got to know more people, um, I've realized maybe it's my own fault that I don't know enough about the personality tests, but I learned really fast that you can't judge people by their personality tests because there are a lot of traits that are super important to people that maybe go against your inclinations about their personality. This is going to be so much easier when I give an example. So I'm just going to I'm just going to roll for it, okay? So this all kind of started, I guess, when uh probably a few months ago now, when I was talking to my friend Erica and we have I mean, we've been friends for a while now, but we were having like a true heart to heart just the two of us. And she was saying some things and I was just like, "Hmm, this is this is interesting to me, like truly interesting because one of the things that you'll know about Erica the first time that you talk to her is that she's an eight. That's on the Enneagram scale. If you don't know what those numbers are, you don't know what you are, feel free to just Google it. Um, take a free test. Don't don't you dare pay for that. But um, the thing I know about eights is that they're challengers. That's actually what they're called is challengers. So it's people that are, I mean, have 
not even opposition to everything, but they need to know really why it's happening. They're not just going to do something because they think they have to or because somebody told them to. And up until meeting Erica, the most, oh, I'm going to try not to get dicey here. Um, up until meeting Erica, I had only really heard of one other eight or at least someone who identified with being an eight. It's someone who's got an influencer life, if you will. Um, and I find her kind of to be a little bit hard to handle more and more each day, honestly. Um, but she <laughs> likes to remind people that she's an eight. Um, but it's almost like an excuse for the way she is who she is. And... And not that I ever thought that Erica was the type of person to make excuses. And if she was going to say something, she was like, well, I'm just an eight. And so you'd have to deal with that. But I just expected, I guess, a little bit more pushback on certain things. So for us to have like a true like heart to heart, I was like, I'm curious to see where this is going to go. But it was so much different than I had anticipated, especially because Erica, like I said, loves to be like, I'm an eight. I am an eight. And obviously I know now that there's things that especially when it comes to Enneagram, like you can be a healthier and unhealthy version of every single number. And I think that has more to do with it, but it made me realize that I'm, I, I can't, like I want to know people's personality tests or whatever they identify with, but there's so much more to it like that, that you just wouldn't expect. And so this is, so like my friend Gabby, who's obsessed with astrology, she's a Gemini. And I guess up until that point, Gemini's were the only ones I even knew anything about, and I knew that they were two-faced. Like, that's what I had only ever heard. And now Gabby, hilariously, will be like, hell yeah, finger snap, I'm two-faced. Like, she will take that personality trait and ride it, and it's really funny because obviously she's not a, she's not a bad person, which I guess two-faced implies, but she just knows how to turn it on. And when somebody leaves the room, she knows how to be like, well, that was rough. Like, oh my God, I remember this time, <laughs> this time when I was sitting in her office and we were talking and our other coworker came upstairs and he, all he was doing was searching for our boss. He was just stopping in the office to ask where our boss was. And rather than Gabby just say, oh, he's out to lunch, come back later. She engages in a 20 minute conversation with this individual who I will tell you is one of the most awkward individuals I've ever met a 20 minute conversation about chlorine you think I'm joking I'm not and I will always remember that day and then the second as soon as that person left Gabby was like oh my god I didn't know what to do I was so nervous I just had to keep talking I was like well I didn't know how to get him out of the office I just had to keep talking talk talk. <coughs> excuse me but that's how that's what Gabby would say her two-facedness is, is that she'll be super nice to everybody. And then all of a sudden she's like, oh my God, that was painful. It's just hilarious. And so that's kind of like the opposite of Erica. So like, I guess I just had preconceived notions about Erica that turned out not to necessarily be true versus Gabby, who I did have these preconceived notions, but I was still wrong about what that meant. And it just makes me kind of realize that we need to be talking more about the personality test than just labeling, than, you know, just taking them, figuring out who we are and just boom, like that's who I am. And even if you truly identify with 
that personality or whatever, that trait or whatever, there's still more to you. So I want to have people on to kind of talk about the misconceptions of insert personality type here. And I'll, I'll actually, I'm going to go through three of mine today just because I think it gives a bigger picture. Anyone who wants to come on and tell me about their preconceived notions that are wrong about their personality trait, I'm seriously all ears because I want to learn more about it. Um, So just reach out to me. You just tell me a funny story in relation to these things and I will gladly, gladly have a conversation with you. So uh, keep that in mind because I'm super excited. But So I'm going to start with myself and I will start by saying that I am a Enneagram three wing four, which is actually funny because the strongest personality traits of a three and the strongest personality traits of a four are actually clashing, yet there's a lot of three wing fours. So it's a an achiever and an individualist. So for the sake of this, I'm just going to talk about my my three and not talk about my wing, even though I'm very, I think it only makes sense for me personally when you talk about both together, but we'll just talk about being an achiever. So being an achiever, I mean, pretty self-explanatory means I really like to work and I really like to keep going forward. And I think I've talked about it before, like my value of myself is in like direct relation to the work that I produce. And I can't help it that sometimes all I do is think about work, Um, not necessarily in a bad way, but that's the thing. It's like people think that because I'm an achiever or because I care so much about work, I'm really prone to burnout. And I used to think that too, except now I know that that's not the case at all. I'm actually the the least prone to burnout person that I know if I'm doing something I care about. And I realized this because if you look at my track record of life, anytime I had a mental breakdown in school, it was in relation to something that I hated. And same thing with work. When I was reaching a boiling point at work, you know, my, my first few years of working, it was only on things that I didn't genuinely care about. But ever since I got out of that situation and moved on to something that I deep down really can't even describe how much I care about... I don't have that at all. Like, I don't even know what burnout is anymore. Like, I have zero problems sitting in bed at 1130 at night doing work. It's not because I feel like I have to. It's not because I, well, sometimes it's because I'm behind. I think I'll always be behind. But honestly, it's just because I truly enjoy what I'm doing. And even if on the other end, it's not received or whatever, in that moment, I'm just loving what I'm doing. And that is that I won't turn off. And so I think that I just want to, I feel like I need to clear that up because I hate that sometimes people will tiptoe around me because they think that I'm taking on too much. And certainly there's times when I get frustrated, but if I truly care about it and if it's approached the right way and you genuinely ask me if I want to do something and yada, yada, all that stuff, I will do it, period. And I will not get burned out on it. Like I don't, I don't know. I can't even comprehend right now when I would ever get burnt out again because I'm doing what I what what I love to be doing. So there is misconceived. What is that? It's preconceived notion, but it's wrong. I don't know. I think it's 
misconceived is not a word. So I don't know what I'm trying to say. But anyway, so that's the first thing that I want to clear up is that do not think that you're overloading me because at this point in my life, I no longer say yes to things that I hate. So if I said yes, I want to do something, it's because I actually want to do it. So that's exciting. Now, moving on to personality trait thing number two. This isn't even actually a personality trait, but it's astrology. So it's actually funny too, because when I tell people I'm a Pisces, they'll be like, if, if they know anything about astrology, they'll be like, oh my God, why didn't I know? You are a Pisces. Uh, yes, 100% you are a Pisces. And I think it's kind of funny because if people don't know about astrology and then I tell them the first thing about being a Pisces in that it being a Pisces is extremely emotional about everything. People would not believe me, I don't think, because people, and maybe this is a miss, oh my God, this is something people get wrong about Pisces, empaths, just emotional people is that they cry a lot. And it's actually funny because for probably the first, I don't know, like, 15 years of my life, 14, 15 years of my life, I really didn't cry. I mean, obviously I did as a kid, but like, I really just like nothing made me cry, but I was, I've always been the same person. I've always been the same amount of emotional, but what's funny is that I cry happy tears like all the time. It's so funny. Like anything in a TV show, in a commercial that slightly triggers me, I could start bawling like, oh God, like puppies, children, you know, the, the, the gamut of like very emotional, loving things. If I see it, I will start crying immediately. Conversely, something bad happens and I don't really cry. I actually don't really go through those experience, like go through like those kind of emotions. I being, when I was a kid, teenager, I was more than an angsty teenager. Like I expressed myself through anger all the time. Like that was my given choice. Some people, depending on who you talk to, might stay, say I'm still angry and that's still my given emotion. Should something go less than perfect, I respond in anger. I guess I won't necessarily deny that. But it's just this whole misgiving that people who are Pisces are, or emotional people are criers. It's not true. You want to know how not true this is? Like... Oh, wait, here, let's just tell, let's tell some stories. I think the first, the first section was too serious. So let's tell a story. So, hi, my name is Brittany. I really like music and I like all kinds of music, but I've always really liked metal music. A lot of people don't necessarily know this because when I try to tell people that I like metal music, people think that I'm, uh, holding satanic rituals in my basement. Um, I want to want to or slash have already killed somebody or all the stupid bullshit that comes along with that which is just dumb because if you don't know if you don't think if you don't use music as a form of catharsis I, I just don't I physically don't understand you because that's how anyone I know that is obsessed with music how we do it is like you deal with your emotions through music that way you don't it's the same thing with video games don't even get me started but like Video games don't cause mass shootings because people who play video games tend to get the aggression out through the video game. Same thing with music. So anyways, so, so anyway, so my name is Brittany. I like metal music. And in approximately two and a half days, I have gone from 
general sort of free-flowing Slipknot fan to total maggot. If you don't know what that means, maggot is what they call their fans. That's why that's why I used it. Okay, so Slipknot is a band that started in 1995 when I was three years old. So it's not like I've been listening to them my entire life. However, I have been listening to a few songs ever since I started listening to metal music, and I've been a general fan sort of ever since. I've never disliked them. They've never been my favorite. I don't know what's going on, but all of a sudden, the other night on YouTube, I think I got a, tr- a recommended video for their new single. And I was like, oh, cool. I'm going to listen to it. I listened to it for approximately 30 seconds. I honestly didn't even really listen to it. I was like, hey, they sound still the same. And it's been 8 million years. They started in 1995. So it's been 14 years. It's a long time. So I was like, okay, well, 14, no, 24. Oh my God, I can't do math. But oh my God, those dudes are old. Anyways, so listen to 30 seconds of the song. I was like, hey, they still sound like Slipknot. Like there hasn't been any major changes in 24 years. Like that's pretty cool. Exit the video. Then obviously you guys know how YouTube works. I am full of Slipknot videos all of a sudden. And I was like, well, I got nothing else to do. I guess I'm going to learn about Slipknot. So then I started watching all of these videos about the tragic history of Slipknot and yada, yada, yada. And all of this stuff. And then I was like, oh God, that doc, talk about like being emotional. I'm like watching this very like sterile documentary about these people that once upon a time did drugs. And I'm like, oh my God, they need a hug. Like these poor children, like they, they went through some seriously tough times. Like they were all drug addicts. They're all sober now, but they all need a hug. Right. So that I'm going off the deep end there. But anyways, Why am I telling this story? The story is that, so because now my YouTube is infiltrated with Slipknot videos, if you guys want to, if you guys know anything about Slipknot, you know that they wear masks. Some of them are scary. You know which ones are scary? The clown one. The clown is scary. Okay. That's the only thing that's scary. The other ones are actually hilarious. If you take a look, there's like bondage pinhead. There's like the guy who (laughs) has the dick for a nose. There's like a jester. There's a RoboCop skeleton. There's like a 29th century Jason. None of them are actually that scary. Whatever. The only one that's scary is the clown. You guys know how I feel about clowns. If you don't know how I feel about clowns, don't ask me because I'll start crying. You want to talk about crying? Ask me about clowns. So where is the story going? Uh, Before... (sighs) YouTube videos. So... Anyways, so I'm on YouTube, have millions of Slipknot videos to be witnessed by me. And I see this video of Corey Taylor, the lead singer of Slipknot, on his appearance on New York Inc. Now think about me as a kid, New York Inc., Miami Inc., LA Inc., all of those Incs. That's what I think about TLC. Like, that's what I think of. None of the honey boo-boos, pageants, dancing kids things. TLC to me was about tattoos. So... This long time ago, this this episode of New York Inc. that Corey Taylor was on, it was after the original bassist of Slipknot passed away. And so Corey Taylor was getting a tribute tattoo. And it's only like a five minute clip. And then like two and a half minutes in, he's bawling. He's absolutely bawling about being, about missing his friend. Like at first he was like, yeah, I just, you know, tattoos hurt. So once it gets to a certain point, But then all of a sudden he's just going on and on about how much he misses his friend and the bassist and just how awful it is. And he's, he is so like, so, so hysterical at one point. And 
it's just like, this is, this is the thing. It's like, this is another misconce like misgiving. I still don't know what I'm trying to say there, but this is like, people think this guy is a, the lead singer of a metal band in which unfortunately there has been killings in which people refer to Slipknot lyrics as the reason why they killed somebody, which eh, that's not nah, nah, nah. point being, there are some very emotionally charged lyrics for sure. But this dude is crying so badly about missing his friend. And that's where it's like crazy. It's just people who are emotional, like can have this really tough exterior and I like to think I'm kind of a badass, a little bit of a savage, if you will. Um, but, you know, we've all got these things going on. And so I guess I'm just rolling a bunch of <laughs> a bunch of things that people get wrong about me into one. But anyways, to, to go back around, Pisces being emotional doesn't mean that I cry a lot. Although sometimes it does mean that I cry about sad things. This story making any sense. I think I just wanted to tell my story about Slipknot and how all of a sudden I'm a Slipknot fan, like mega fan. Like I've watched multiple live performances at this point. <sighs> I don't know. Anyways. And then the third thing that I want to talk about is something that I've hinted at before anyways, but we'll get into a little bit more. So I'm a Gryffindor, but I always will say I'm 51% Gryffindor, 49% Slytherin. I will not call myself a Gryffinin because it sounds dumb. Slitherdor sounds better, but that implies that I'm more Slytherin than Gryffindor, which I refuse. I still will call myself Gryffindor, but if we're getting serious, I always say 51% Gryffindor, 49% Slytherin. Okay, so now that we've cleared that up. So Gryffindors, if you know anything about Harry Potter, even if you don't, you probably just know that Gryffindors are brave or whatever. And people think that means that I'm brave. And I I guess to a certain extent, you could say that. But I've said this before. I'm scared poopless about lots of things. Not just clowns. But I'm scared about, like, I can't even describe how many things. About not being my best self. And that's what pushes me to do things that are crazy or whatever, or things that people normally wouldn't do because I cannot comprehend not trying something. And what if that is the, the thing that I'm meant to do? Like, what if I'm meant to be the best downhill skier in the world? I will never know unless I go downhill skiing a hundred thousand times and I go down trails. I'm not really like experienced going down and I just give it a whirl anyways. And I fall down 15 times, but you know what? I don't care because what if, you know, like, what if they write stories about me in four years, I'm in the Olympics and I'm shredding and Sean White calls me up and says, I admire you. Like, what if that happens? And I would never know unless I go, I, I go for it. And, and it has happened before. I went to a CrossFit gym thinking, uh, I just want to get in a workout and it seems like a cool place to do it. Went by myself, didn't know anyone, didn't really actually know anyone who did CrossFit at that point, and I just wanted to, and walked out of it being like, I, this is what I'm meant to do. Like, this is the type of exercise I'm meant to do. This is the type of person I'm meant to be. But, but it's fear that motivated me, not bravery. It's fear of not being, of not reaching my full potential in any way, shape, or form. So yes, I'm a Gryffindor, but to me, I'm one of like the more scared people that I know. I'm not 
overwhelmingly brave. I guess I go into things with a little bit of a a mental edge in that sense. But like I said, the underlying motivation is always because I'm scared. So that's something that people get wrong about Gryffindors all the time. Like literally misunderstood, you know, very misunderstood, especially if you're talking about I'm a Gryffindor Slytherin and I'm scared of a lot of things. That doesn't seem to jive, but that's my life, man. And I just wanted to share stories. So these are three <laughs> misconceived. I'm Googling. Am I trying to say misconceived notions? Miscon. Oops. Conceived. Oh, yeah. Misconceived notion is a thing. Is that what I'm trying to say? Misconceived notions. What was I saying before? Why does that sound so? So, yeah, like, obviously, I'm trying to say misconceived notions. Uh, I don't know. Those are three misconceived notions about me, Brittany, the Enneagram type three Pisces Gryffindor or three wing, three wing, three wing, four mega Pisces Gryffindor Slytherin. Um, if you guys have anything that you want to share, I want to hear it. Seriously. Um, I'm also going to make, I'm going to tell all my friends that they need to listen to this because I want them to be on it. But if you're listening to this and I haven't talked to you before about being on my podcast and you just want to, you want to set the record straight. You need to speak up for all of the insert personality trait here, people, because you've seen someone terrible do something or people think some things about you. I want to hear it. And that's all. So I hope you guys have a great week. This is episode number 12. Woohoo! And I'll see you next week. Bye bye.